Throw me the idol. No time to argue. Throw me the idol. I throw you the whip. Give me the whip. Adios, señor. Jones, right? Who would have thunk it, right? Right in the middle of church, and, and we're going to talk about Indiana Jones and, uh, and everything. Thank you, bud. Um, so we are, we are starting this new series, and I'm going to be honest with you. Um, this, it's no coincidence that it parallels the name of our, of our kids, uh, Gospel Quest, uh, because when we were looking at doing the rebrand on our, on our kids' Uh, group and we started the videos and we were putting logos and everything else to it. Haley and and I did a lot of talking along with Isaac and and Sam and everything else about what we really wanted to do. And and when we came up with the name Gospel Quest, um, it just seemed like several things kept coming up in my studies that applied. And so I just kept making this little note um, under my Gospel Quest page of, hey, this, hey, this, 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 and that, and the other. And, and the other day, as, as I was preparing our last series, something just hit me and said, we should do a series called Gospel Quest. And so I went back to those notes, and I was kind of reading those notes. And then last week, I'd really planned to go a different direction um, this month, but last week, uh, if you weren't here, what, what a great service we had and what a great moment that we had. Um, you know, uh, I love the moment when Raiden took the mic, right? Chris asked if anyone had anything to share. And, um, uh, and Raiden was quick to raise his hand. Um, and they, they took the mic back to him. And, you know, like, like most everyone else, took the mic and stood there and did it. Raiden snatched that mic out of, out of Chris's hand and marched right to the front, turned around and gave his testimony. And what a, what a wonderful power and an embarkation of what we teach and what we push our kids um, to be. It's not, our, it's not our goal to babysit them while we're in here having service. It is our goal to tell them about Jesus. And it is our goal to help them understand as early as possible why Jesus matters in their life and, and to support you as parents in that quest uh, of understanding how important the gospel and how important Jesus is in their life. And, and that was just a, a wonderful moment uh, of that. And then Dwight came up to speak. And I think before Dwight even realized that he was prophesying over, over Raiden, that there was a call on his life and God was going to do a great thing in his life uh, and, and everything else. And, and then that began to, uh, that began to evolve in, in different conversations. And then Monday or Tuesday, uh, I, I get a text um, from, from a family here, uh, and through something that had happened in Gospel Quest that same morning, and I won't name names because it's, it's not my responsibility to put this out there. They can if they want, but it was um, that same day, something happened in Gospel Quest that, that brought uh, a fortification to something that someone was thinking and praying about back there, and, and they talked, she talked to her mom and dad uh, about, I want to be a missionary. And she wrote a, a thing out, and, and they shared that with me, and I'm just going to share it with you briefly. And, and she said, Jesus loves me, and so I want to tell everyone else that Jesus loves them and to help them find him. 
And what a powerful moment that is. I'm going to be honest with you. If y'all ain't getting nothing from me, our kids are getting a whole lot. Amen. And, and they're going to be up here preaching soon. Amen. So don't worry. But we are, we are thankful for what God is doing in that ministry. And we're thankful for this idea that we can find what it is that Jesus intends to do in our life. Now, we're going to take a little trip, so bear with me. Um, because it's funny how God just kind of puts all of this together, right? And, and, and we don't buy these sermons and we don't pre-plan all of this stuff and, and everything else like that. It's truly inspired by God. And um, we use a, a lot of different study tools and, and different things like that. But God kind of brings it all together when God's ready to bring it together. And so we had this, we had this moment of... Uh, studying in, in our last sermon series where we talked about the Garden of Eden. And in talking about the Garden of Eden, we talked about how God had prepared it in the likeness of heaven, right? And if you remember, I shared with you the account in Genesis, and I shared with you the account in Revelations that talked about the throne of God and what flowed out of the throne of God and the tree of life in the garden and what flowed out uh, of the tree of the life in the garden and how it began life as we know it. And, and ultimately what we see by that, and yeah, in that study, I, I made a little note over here on it, because the reality for us is that's when our quest began. But our quest didn't begin with the creation of the garden. And our quest didn't begin with God placing Adam and Eve in the garden. Our quest began when sin entered into the world, right? Because what we see from that account is we see that God gave us heaven on earth. God gave us a scenario where we could commune with him in the garden, in a secret place, if you will, where we could come to him and we could grow in him and we could begin to understand all that he is and all that he was. And that was his, that was his plan for creation. That was his plan for Adam and Eve. Struggle was never part of the plan. Difficulty was never part of the plan. Temptation was never part of the plan. Confusion was never part of the plan. God never intended any of those things for us. Instead, Eve was lied to. Adam was lied to. And they chose to listen to the lie, thinking they could get something from the serpent, something from, from the apple, something out of the, 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 the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They could get something out of that that God didn't offer already. And if we're not careful, we'll live that same manner. We'll live in that same manner. We'll live in that same idea. We'll live in that, that thing of, well, I know the Bible says this, but, right? I know scripture says this, but God wants me here, but, right? We will, we will reason scripture all day long. That's exactly what the, what the serpent did. It's exactly what the serpent did in the garden. It manipulated words, it turned things, and it pushed Eve to this idea that, oh, God's holding back from you, when in reality, God held nothing back. God gave everything, every yield, uh, every herb yielding seed, every, every tree, every animal. They had authority over the animals. They had authority over the garden. They had everything that they wanted. God had supplied the water flow out of the tree of life that we see evidence in Scripture Every land that those four rivers or those four streams out of the tree of life touched, those lands flourished. They flourished. In between them were dead places, but those places flourished. So what we see from that is evidence that God had provided everything needful for man to flourish in his presence, in his presence, in his dominion. In his holiness and in his goodness, we were created to flourish. But we thought we were choosing something more. We thought we were choosing something better. We thought, we thought God was holding back on us when in reality God wasn't holding anything back. He was giving us the very best 
that he had. Scripture talks about the two Adams. It talks about Adam being the first Adam and, and Jesus being the second Adam. And what we find in the first Adam is, is we find someone who, who was created by God and desired to be with God until a time of responsibility came where he had to make a tough choice, right? Now, usually when, when you say this, the ladies in the room get angry with me, but amen, I, I, I'm just going to tell it to you like it is in the Bible, right? Adam was told to be the keeper of the garden, right? And where was he when, when Eve was tempted? Scripture will tell you, you can go back to Genesis and read it, he was with her and her husband with her, it says. He was right there. He wasn't hiding. He wasn't out doing the daily tasks. He wasn't at work. He wasn't, he wasn't you know, not providing supervision, but he was present. And he allowed it to go on. It's why when, when God came to the garden, he called it Adam. He didn't call it Eve. He called it Adam because he knew that the responsibility had been given to Adam to oversee the garden and have authority over it and to not allow things to come into our life that could tempt us and lead us away from the blessing of God. Amen? And so what we see is Adam is kicked out because he allowed it to happen. Eve kicked out with him. Now, Jesus, God had mercy for them, right? God had grace for them. He, he, he shed blood and he clothed them, but then he put them out of his promise. He put them out of his blessing. He put them out of his care and gave them what they chose. And he even, he even put a, a flaming sword there to guard it and make sure that they couldn't get back. And this, this is where our quest begins. This is where our quest began. This is where, starting with Adam and Eve and their family, began searching for significance, spiritual significance, spiritual power, spiritual understanding. It's where we began searching for God again. After God had already offered himself up in fullness and completeness in the garden, now we are back to having to start over searching for him. And throughout generations... They searched. Throughout generations, they tried to find him. Throughout generations, they, they failed and they picked themselves back up. They failed again and they picked themselves back up. And we know that again and again and again, the nation of Israel fell into temptation. And again and again and again, they fell into captivity. And again and again and again, they struggled. And again and again and again, they failed and they struggled. And they found themselves captive of either slave masters or the depravity of their own sin. They found themselves chained, imprisoned, indebted. They found themselves captured, so to speak, by their own lusts and their own desires. You see, Satan didn't promise, the serpent in the garden didn't promise anything really that incredible. He just told them that you will know everything God knows. And you will have everything God has. When guess what? That was God's plan already. Right? God's plan already was to spend time with them. And to build a relationship with them. And to have this, this secret place in the garden where they would come together. And God would unveil all of the mysteries. And all of the power and all of his glory to them. That was God's plan. But they, rather than, than choosing God, chose to try and accomplish it themselves. And the reality for us is we'll never fully accomplish that on our own. We'll never fully accomplish it without God's leadership and without God's guidance in our life. And we certainly won't accomplish it without our salvation and without the Holy Spirit leading us into it. Amen? Because guess what? You can't be saved without the Holy Spirit. Bible tells us that. We'll be drawn of the Spirit. Amen? And, 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 and then we, we won't understand the Word without the Spirit. 
Amen? Because it tells us that the Spirit will reveal these things to us and make these things known to us. Amen? So what are we finding out as we, as we move on this quest and as we go through the ups and downs and the ins and outs of our life and we're trying to make it work with God but we don't really fully understand how to make it work with God? What are we finding out? That God's Spirit intended from the very beginning to work in us and commune in us a revelation of who God is and what God wants and what God needs in our life. He prepared all of the physical things that we needed simply so we weren't burdened by this and we weren't burdened by that. We weren't struggling with this and we weren't struggling with that, but so that we could come into his presence and find out who he is and become like him. He made it all possible. Everything in between has been our doing. Everything in between has been our failure. Everything in between has been, has been our trying to, to, to grasp it and understand it. Amen? And so then enters the second Adam, uh, as some refers to him, uh, and what we know is Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God. Because God had seen... God had seen that our failure and God had seen that our sin had taken us so far away from God's original plan to spend time with us and, and move with us and work with us and, and reveal himself to us. He, he had figured out that we had, had messed it up so bad that there was no way to return to him except through a complete cleansing through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? And so that brings us to, to John chapter 3. Everybody with me? Amen. Anybody with me? Anybody not with me? John chapter 3. And so when Jesus meets with Nicodemus and he says this, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, now, you know, we, we, we talk about the Pharisees a lot, right? We, man, we really give them a hard time. Amen? But I think sometimes we give them a hard time because somewhere in the midst of the Pharisees is where we often find ourselves. Amen? We either find ourselves in this, I know everything and I'm better than you and, and I, know, I don't care if you are God's son, I kind of got this already figured out myself. Amen? Because we're operating in the mentality of the garden. Right? We're operating with the mentality of the garden so we think now we know more than God when we don't. Amen? And, and we, can, we can Google everything coming and going and then convince ourselves that we know everything as well as God or more, amen? And, and don't, don't, think that's by, don't think that's by surprise, right? Don't think that's by coincidence, amen? The enemy, the enemy is trying to empower our knowledge and trying to empower our grasp of knowledge, amen, to put us in that garden place where we think we know more than God, Amen? But the reality is we still need the Spirit and we still need the spiritual intercession with God to become like Him. Amen? And we're going to get to that more in a minute. But, but we come to this place where the Pharisees are all, are all beside themselves because Jesus is more popular, Jesus is more knowledgeable, and, and we need to do something about that. Amen? Just like the serpent in the garden, right? We need to do something uh, about this. We can't allow God's authority to have precedent here, right? So we need to lead man away from God. And so the serpent appeared to Adam and Eve and did indeed that, led them away, right? And so now we're at this place. Now we're at this place where we too, much like, much like Adam and Eve, we're, we're kind of excommunicated from the garden of our own doing, and we can't find our way back. We struggle and we search and we look. Now, if you know anything about Indiana Jones, and, and I grew up in the, in the 70s and 80s, so, so I know a lot about Indiana Jones. Amen? And, and, if, and if you don't know Indiana Jones, you need to watch those movies because they're pretty spectacular. Well, the first two, 
After that, they get a little goofy. But, but th- those movies are, are pretty spectacular, entertaining, and fun to watch, right? And, but what we find with Indiana Jones is we find someone who's incredibly smart, who is incredibly savvy, who is incredibly tough, except for snakes, and, and who is incredibly able to, to accomplish these great quests and find hidden treasure, only to have it taken from him at every turn. As we saw in the video clip this morning, he finds, I don't know, whatever that monkey head was, right? He, he finds it. He's smart enough to know to take the bag of sand. He's smart enough to, to figure out all the traps, and he's smart enough to find his way, right? When no one else could, and, and he gets the treasure. And then so then he avoids all of the traps as he's running out. And, and as it's trying to kill him like it had killed many before. And he escapes. And what you don't see at the end of that clip is he escapes. He, the missing, the, the rolling ball misses him. And he lands and he looks up and there is his arch enemy. The guy who's always several steps behind him, who doesn't have the tenacity and doesn't have the intelligence and doesn't have the wherewithal to find the treasure the way Indiana does. But yet he's smart enough to stay a few steps behind Indiana, knowing that Indiana Jones will find the treasure and he'll just take it from him. Isn't that how Satan works in our life? Isn't that how... The enemy of enemies works in our life. Doesn't he follow close behind what God is trying to do for us and in us? And in our moment of opportunity, in our moment of understanding, in our moment of empowerment, of of spiritual manifestation in our life, when, when God is really starting to click and when God is really starting to move, doesn't that arch enemy show up to distract us, to tempt us, to anger us and to move us away from the treasure that we find in God. Amen? And and it's important that we understand this. The Pharisees were not dumb men, right? We we know that the way they responded and the way they reacted to Jesus, we know that it was stupid and we know that it was wrong because we've got the whole book. Right? But understand, they they were trying to figure it out in their own wisdom at that time. They, like Adam and Eve, had been excommunicated from the garden. They had been moved from the secret place. They had been removed from the power and the knowledge of God. And all they had were the writings and the learnings of man for years before them, and they were trying to figure it out. They were on a quest. They were on their own quest to understand and figure out who God is and what God was wanting to do in their life. And they thought they had found it. They thought they had figured it out. And they were exercising it the way they believed best served God and eventually best served them. Amen? And so what we see now is in the presence of Jesus, we see see a manner of miracles that had not taken place ever. Before, in all of the writings and in all of the, the yearnings they had received, nothing was taking place quite like what was taking place with Jesus Christ. And most of them were, were jealous. Most of them were envious. Most of them wanted it to end. Most of them were like, it's got to stop. And they were already trying to figure out how to kill him. And they were already trying to figure out how to make him look bad so the people would turn against him. Amen. But Jesus kept showing up and Jesus kept touching people and Jesus kept changing people's lives and Jesus kept ministering into the people that they refused to minister to. And instead of of making him look bad, his popularity just continued to grow and, and the knowledge of the people began to grow. And their desire to be with Jesus and to be like Jesus began to grow. And so they and the enemy himself decided, we can't, we can't have this happen, right? But Nicodemus, being wise, and Nicodemus, being a leader, realized within his heart, a spiritual thing, realized within his heart, man, this, this has to be of God. Because these things couldn't happen if it wasn't. Nicodemus came to Jesus by night, verse 2, 
and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Right? Understand what Nicodemus is saying here. Nicodemus is saying to Jesus and saying to all of us, I recognize that this is a spiritual thing. I recognize that you are a fleshly man and you are sent from God and you are in, you are in relationship with God and somehow you have figured out how to get past the flaming sword on the garden and you have found your way back to the secret place. And while I don't understand that and while I don't fully know where you've been or what you've done to access it, I realize that you have obtained the power and the ability and the wisdom and the knowledge that you have because of God. Not because of man, not because of, uh, of, of degrees on our wall, not because of, uh, of titles and statures, not because of bank accounts or, or cars or boats or, or, or houses, not because of, of any of these things that as, as men and women in this life we pursue, amen, and I'm not saying it's bad to have goals, Amen. I'm not saying it's bad to have money, but it's bad if any of those things have you, right? But what, I, what I'm saying to you is this, to navigate our way to God, none of those things matter. To navigate ourselves into the presence and the knowledge of him and what he wants to do in our life, none of those things matter. And, and some of you might be sitting there saying, then why in the world are we doing financial peace? Because we're trying to get some of the struggle out of your way. We're trying to get some of the, the pain points of this life away from you using the foundation of Scripture to do it. Amen? Because we, we care for you, and we don't want you messed up in the quicksand of life. We want those things to be behind you and Satan to have something removed from his grip. And because when you step into financial peace, you can then live a life that serves God without worrying about the struggles. Yeah, Amen? That's the point. That's the idea. Amen? And so, so our job is, as your church and our job as our leaders is to find the enemy's strongholds and defeat them. Destroy them. Take them out of his arsenal from your life. Amen? And trust me, I'm not afraid of the fight. I am not afraid of that fight. Amen? Because I want to crush him, and I want to destroy him the way Adam should have back thousands of years ago, millions of years ago, whatever it is. Amen? He should have grabbed him by the neck, thrown him on the ground, and crushed his head. Amen? But instead, he listened, and he followed. And because of that, we have found ourselves on quest after quest after quest after quest to find ourselves disappointed, 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 disappointed. Because no matter what our celebrations, no matter what our victories, no matter what our mountaintops, we are still absent from God. We are still absent from God. Because God took away all of the plans for relationship and all of the plans for love and all of the plans for communion and all of the plans for, for, for this close, intimate, spiritual relationship that he authored from day one. He took it all away because Adam and Eve chose more when God had already had it prepared. And all he asked is that they come to him and walk with him and allow him to lead them into all that he had planned and all that he had prepared. And we see the travail that it took in their family, and we see the travail that it took in man from that day forward. Amen? So what do we do? We're a lot like Nicodemus. We've read the end of the book. We've heard the stories. We know what happens. We know Jesus goes to a cross. Amen. Keep in mind, Nicodemus didn't know any of this yet. We know Jesus goes to a cross, and he dies, and he comes out of the tomb three days later. And we celebrate that, but do we really understand it? Do we really know what's taking place for us in this? I think we're still on a quest. I think we're still looking. I think we're, we're still moving the webs out of our way, and, and we're still lighting torches, and, and we're still trying to figure it out. 
Amen? Paul said, I look through a glass darkly. Amen? What is he saying? He's saying, I am learning this through the Spirit in the secret place every day. I am, I am putting myself in subjection to God every day, and every day he's revealing more and more and more to me. And every day I become a bondservant to it. Every day I, I grow closer to him. Every day he empowers me more and more and more. But it, the, power, the power doesn't just come from a finger snap. The power comes from the time I spend with him and the time I understand his heart and the time that I understand who he is and what he wants to do in people's lives. Amen. We will never fully understand grace until we grasp our need of it and we allow our need of it to dispensate itself to others. Amen? If our, if our religion is all about what we get out of showing up here on Sunday mornings, well, then that's what we get. Amen? That's what we get. Amen? Man, check out so-and-so. Yep, 9 o'clock, they pulled out of the driveway. Man, they're a good Christian. Amen? That's what we get. That's our reputation. That's our character. That's who we are, right? Man, God's got so much more. God's got so much more than that. Amen? God's got so much more than that. And listen, listen, Satan's working hard now to, to turn us into, into couch Christians. Amen? No offense. Some people need to be home. Some people should be home. Amen? Some people can't be here, and I get that. But what, what we lose from joining ourselves together in community is we lose encouragement and we lose power that we need in our lives. Amen? We need to be loving on each other. Amen? And we need to be telling each other how good God is so that we don't just see it in ourselves, but we see it working universally. Amen? I got up this morning and I was feeling this in my spirit and I typed it out and I posted it on Facebook as a, as a way to encourage anyone that maybe got up and, and saw it and was like, you know, Dad, going it, I'm going to church today. Amen? And a few minutes later, I, I see Anthony posted a very similar thing to what I said. And understand this. Understand this. We pray all the time. We sing songs all the time. God, I need you to move. He's already moving. He has been moving from day one. He has been moving from the time he spoke and bang, it happened. Amen? He has been moving all along. The problem is we have removed ourselves from the garden and we're not working hard enough. We're not digging hard enough. We're not excavating the caves deep enough and we're not allowing ourselves to put off this flesh enough to find him and move with him. Amen. And this is where Nicodemus was. This is where Nicodemus was. He was like, man, I know this is of God. It was, it was bearing witness in his spirit. Remember what we said about John the Baptist? Amen. And, and John leaping in, in the womb, in Elizabeth's womb and everything else. That was a spiritual moment. That was a spiritual thing. Amen. Jesus pronouncing the presence of God, or, or John pronouncing the presence of God on the shore that day before he baptized. That was a spiritual thing because there is no evidence that they had seen each other. Until that moment. And so it was a spiritual thing. John had found and John had realized that my way to God is through separation from the things of this world. Now, I'm not so sure he had to wear camel hair. And I'm not so sure he had to eat locusts and honey. The honey I'm okay with because I love me some honey. Amen. But I'm not so sure about the locust thing, right? But, but, but what John found out is he needed to separate himself from the things of this world and, and find himself, find himself in the presence of God. And he did that through separation from the things of this world. And because of that, he was able to come and he was able to preach for the first time. He was able to, to, to lead people for the first time in over hundred, hundreds of years, almost 300 and some years since the prophet Malachi, that there had been someone that separated themselves from the world and received instruction and received discipline and received direction from God. Amen. Amen. 
If you think about that, I hope you captured what I just said. If you think about that, and if you think about what we're giving in Scripture, given in Scripture, we think about the hundreds of years that, that this book encompasses. And when you stop and you think about what, maybe a hundred people that we're giving given evidence on who worked their way past flesh and blood and worked their way past their surroundings and, and worked their way past the things of this world to actually hear from God. To actually know his voice and his, his spiritual leadership in their life, that's not very many people. That's not very many people searching and looking and digging for who God is and what God has, what, what experience God has for them in life. Amen? So Nicodemus, you're thinking, finally, he's getting back to Nicodemus. So Nicodemus comes, comes to Jesus and says, dude, I get it. He might not have said dude. I said dude. But, but he said, he said, man, I get it that this has to be God. And I, I, but I'm not sure I understand it. I'm not sure, I'm not sure I grasp what's going on here, but I believe it's God. I feel it in me that it's God. But help me understand it. And Jesus says this to him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? You see, this is the problem. How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? What happened? What happened in the garden with Adam and Eve? The serpent promised them knowledge and he promised them more. Instead of them choosing the same thing, but from God. And so they had, they had smartened themselves up. They had educated themselves. They had moved themselves into a more and deeper understanding of God. And that's what Nicodemus is saying to Jesus here. He's like, I've learned. I understand how the world works. I understand how the body works. I'm an old man. So how can I be born again? And how can I enter into my mother's womb and be born again? You see, they're thinking about it in the flesh. And if we're not careful, we will start to think about the things of God. And we will start to think about what God is wanting to do in our life according to the knowledge and the power of this life. And understand this, friends. He doesn't operate here. He doesn't operate on our level. His ways are higher than our ways. His mastery is second to none. And our wisdom is folly unto the Lord. And so we have to understand that God is inviting us through Jesus Christ into a secret place and into a place just like he had prepared for Adam and Eve to where he reveals all things to us. And as he begins revealing all things to us, he begins to empower us and he begins to move us above the things of this life. The question is, we, we have to choose. We have to choose who we listen to. Are we going to live out our days subject to this kingdom and this life and this world and the serpent who offers us more and more and more and more and more every day? I'm going to be honest with you. When I, I, I unfollowed a, a lot of things a few years ago. I unfollow, unfollowed a lot of things on Facebook. I didn't unfollow people. Amen. Well, I did unfollow some people, but I didn't unlike them. Amen. Because I wanted... I wanted to be there for them if they had a need, but I, I didn't want the drama that they were sowing and, and everything else like that. So I separated myself from all of these things. And the only, the only pages I'm, I'm caught up on and on Facebook anymore, and I don't even spend nearly, if it wasn't for the church and family, I wouldn't be on there hardly at all anymore. Amen? Because I, I have moved myself away from the influences of this life, and I'm choosing the things of God in the secret place. And guess what? I'm finding him. I'm finding him. He's speaking to me. He's showing me things. He's revealing things to me. He is empowering me. And we're seeing him work in miraculous ways. 
Amen. And I say we because it's not, I'm not just talking about me, amen, because I know some of you are doing some of the things. We share texts all week long. Man, God moved and did this at work today. Man, God moved today with this. I was talking to the stranger in the store and blah, 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 and, and everything else like that. And man, I am, I am feasting off of those moments. Why? Because we're choosing to separate ourselves from this stuff, and we're choosing to step into the secret place and allow God to move us into what he's doing which was his plan from the beginning. That was his plan from the beginning, was to, to, to provide everything for us so that we could step in as flesh and blood to what he was doing and what he was going to do. Amen? He had it all figured out, and we just needed to take his leadership. Instead, we took the lead. Amen? Talking about mankind, we took the lead and messed it all up. And continue to mess it up again and again and again. Amen. Nicodemus couldn't understand it because he's looking at it from his knowledge. He's looking at it from his wisdom. And, and he's saying, how, how can this be? And Jesus says, verily, verily, verse 5, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water, born of flesh and blood, born like any other man and, and woman is born, and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Amen? When you're saved, we, we, don't, we don't have a bucket of Jesus' blood here. Right? Anybody? Not that I know of. And I'm pastor, so I would think I would know that if we did. Amen? And if we did, I probably would pour it over me. Amen? Because it's Jesus' blood, and you don't get any better than that. Amen? But, but we don't, right? And so when we preach that what's red as crimson shall be made white as snow, amen, and we, we encourage you to come and pray and we can encourage you to confess your faults, amen, it, it is not a physical thing that we are asking you or anyone watching to step into. What it is is a spiritual thing. What it is is God saying I've been here all along, guys. I, I've been here from day one. Since the day I spoke and bang, it happened. I have been right here in the same place. I haven't wavered. I haven't changed. I haven't moved. My authority is the same authority today as it was all the way back then. I am right here. And so here's my son and the sacrifice of his blood which was given to me, Scripture says that it was carried and offered into the bosom of God. Amen. So what was given to me is enough for you. And through my son, I'm now creating a gateway back to me. I prevented you from ever coming to it again because of Adam and Eve's choice. But through Jesus... I'm allowing you a way back to where I am. Amen? And, and there's, there's tons of symbolism in this. And over the next couple of weeks, we're, we're going to talk about some of these things. But there is tons of symbolism in it from the temple veil being rent. Amen? And the priests no longer uh, being required to, to offer tainted sacrifices on our behalf. Amen. For us to find God. Amen. All of that now being removed and the blood of Jesus offered to God, not offered to me and you. Amen. I don't have a bucket. I'm not going to pour it over your head. Amen. God has the sacrifice. God has. God has the propitiation. God has the means necessary to bring us back into his presence. Amen. Flaming sword, step aside. Because through Jesus Christ, I now have access back to God. And I now have access back to what God intended for me to have from the beginning. But if we're not careful, we'll, we'll, we'll be the, the biblical version of Indiana Jones. Right? We'll work, we'll scrape, we'll, we'll, we'll figure a little bit out, we'll, 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 we'll make progress here and we'll make a little bit of progress here, but take a hundred steps back and always letting the enemy take over what we had gained. And always fall short of the glory of God if we're not careful. But what Jesus Christ has done for us is he's offered a way for us back to what God intended from the beginning. And that's what Jesus is saying. 
to Nicodemus here. He's saying, I'm not, I'm not asking you to physically be born again. Amen? That's already happened, right? But you must also be born of the Spirit, the spiritual work that takes place through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice given for your life. You're not going to hang on a cross. You're not going to have a sword pierce your side. You're not going to carry the guilt and weight of your sin if you choose him and choose his path to me. Every other path will mislead you. Every other path will destroy you. Every other path will work enmity between me and you. But his path, well, it's the only way. And it happens spiritually. And that is how you enter into my kingdom. Verse 6, that which is born of flesh is flesh. Amen? Thoughts. Ideas. What does James teach us? Amen. We sin. Why? Because we lust. Amen. Now, if, if we lust and persecute that, put it where it belongs and not allow it to influence us to, to make an Eve type decision in the garden, it ends there. But when it is conceived, when the lust is conceived, amen, meaning it, it's born in us then it becomes sin. goes on to tell us that God, God can't tempt us of sin because He can't be tempted of sin. So what it's telling us is flesh, flesh produces flesh. What's born of flesh is flesh. When we think fleshly things, we receive fleshly things. When we do fleshly things, we get fleshly things. Amen? When, when, we, when we operate fleshly, we receive fleshly. Whatever it is in our life. Amen? And all the while, we, we think that's the quest. All the while, we think that that's opportunity and, 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 and receiving all of the blessings of God. We call things blessing that God never intended to be Blessings. Because what God intends blessing, intends to be blessings for our life is spiritual fervor and spiritual power that we receive to come o- overcome the wiles of the enemy. Amen? That we receive to overcome the wiles of the enemy. But that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. The wind bloweth. Where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered, probably the smartest Pharisee of all. Nicodemus answers and says, how can this be? Amen? And the more worldly we become, the more we, we, we operate and maneuver our Christianity based upon worldview, based upon flesh and, and, and fleshly desire, because what, what does this flesh want to do? It wants to please itself, right? Hey, look, I'm a, I'm a Pittsburgh Steeler fan. At the end of the day, I don't really care if the Rams or Bengals either one win tonight. Amen? Because even though they ain't got a shot tonight, I still wish the Steelers win, Right? And you're thinking, that's dumb, Jay. They're not even playing the game. How can they win? Amen? Because my flesh desires to please itself. What would be the greatest outcome for me tonight? For some miracle to happen and the Steelers win the Super Bowl. Right? But that's not going to happen. Right? But sometimes if, if we choose, if we choose to enter into the secret place, the place that Jesus made available to us, the place that we can now step into and receive from God. You know, Moses, Moses did it on the side of the mountain. The prophets did it at their altars and, and different places. All of these people who heard from God and, and did monumental godly things in their life, they sought him out. And they found him. They looked for him. 
And they found him. And they found their way back again and again and again. And they chose not to let anyone take it away from them. Amen? It's why Daniel refusing to not pray. And it's why Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refusing not to bow. And it's why Moses refusing to do it Pharaoh's way. And and it's why all of these, these patriarchs of our faith matter is because we're given examples of people who sought out God. And God provided a spiritual direction for them and they followed it. What had happened? Jesus in the flesh, what happened every time he he got tired and every time that that he came to a a place of of discomfort, not, not physical discomfort, but spiritual discomfort, what did he do? He separated himself Amen? Just like we said before, he separated himself and he spent time alone with God. And God set everything in order and showed him exactly how to move and how to work in people's lives and how to make the path straight for me and you. Amen? If you're going to find God in all wisdom, amen, three things we need to be focused on, and we're going to talk about them all more these these next couple of weeks, but three things we need to be focused on. If we're going to find God in all wisdom and in all power and in all glory, then, man, we got to go on a quest. we got to go on a quest, a quest that persecutes this flesh, a quest that, that forbids comfortable in this life and that chooses to find our way into the secret place of God to where we hear from heaven and to where we don't worry about aligning our life with the flesh or with the Joneses or with, or, or with anything else that we have down here to lead and guide us, but we choose to, to lead our life according to the word of God. And we trust it, even when it doesn't make sense. And trust me, friend, there are going to be days that God leads you places that it just won't make sense. There are going to be times that God is going to move on you and move in you and say, do this, and it just won't make sense. Amen? I could story tell all day, but I'm going to share this with you, and we're going to get ready to close. Amen? Sam and I just got married, and, and some of you have heard this before, but Sam and I had just got married, and um, three months in, she's pregnant. No clue how it happened. And, I, well, I, I'm, no, I'm not really being funny there. I mean, we were doing all the right things to prevent it from happening because we had a plan, right? We had a budget. We had a plan. Everything was going to be perfect. We were going to have money saved. We were going to have no debt. We were going to have all this stuff, right? We had a plan. And, and then, you know, she starts having the signs and stuff and everything else. And we're like, well, this can't be. We're doing this. We're doing da 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 and, and, and everything else. And so um, we, we go and, and, and get a test. She won't even look at it. She, she does the test and goes to bed. And she's like, I ain't looking at it. You go look at it. And, and so I go in and I look at it, and sure enough, it's positive. She's pregnant. Three months in. Now, the good thing is we're still not, we're not really maneuvering the, the honeymoon stage like most people are, are maneuvering the honeymoon stage because we've been best buds for, for years and, and everything else. So we, we had brought a lot of that into our, into our marriage and, and weren't having to, you know, o- overcome ourselves to, to be a good husband and to be a good wife and everything else because we, we had already found that depth in our relationship and, and so forth. But she's pregnant. Well, man, that means this, that means this, that means that, that and, and so on. And, and man, we, were, we, we didn't know the answers. And, and so long story short, she, she has Luke and he's born and, and her time runs out and she has to go back to work. And we looked at everything, and our plan was to be debt-free and to do all of those things so that she wouldn't have to go back to work. And, and we look at all of it, and there was no way. You've got to go back to work, honey. And, and so being a trooper, she did. Um, 
She complained a lot. Um, she cried a lot. But she did. And she has a horrible first week back. Painful on every level. And for her and me. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and so we sit down that weekend and we put everything on paper again. I mean everything. Looking for every angle. Move this here. Move that there. Change this. Change that. Get rid of this. Get rid of that. And everything else. Trying to find a way to make it work to where she could quit. And it wasn't there. It did not line up. And, and the biggest issue was insurance because she worked at the hospital. And at that time, hospital insurance was phenomenal. I mean, we paid, we, we, we paid 10 bucks for Luke. Her first doctor visit, we paid $10 for him. That was all we paid at all for him. I think it took us like five years to pay Isaac off. True, true story, funny but true, and, and so forth. But the, the biggest issue was our insurance because there was no way I could get insurance through my work that we could afford in a budget. And, and so we put everything on paper. It doesn't work. We sit down, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't work. I'm sorry, babe. This is just what we're going to have to do right now. And um, so she goes back to work that day, and she would always call me on her lunch. I'm really, I'm making a really long story short. She calls me on her lunch and everything else, and she goes, have you, have you thought anything about yesterday? And I'm like, yes. I feel absolutely convicted. I feel, I feel like I have just done this to God and, and told him I didn't care about his ability or his power or his work in our life whatsoever. I just feel like I've said that I don't trust him at all. And she says, me too. That is exactly 100% how I feel. She says, I know we've put everything on paper, but let's just keep praying. I said, oh, I am. I'm continuing to pray. And, and, and it just hit me. It was like God's voice just said to me, are, are you really trusting me? Because I'm going to ask you to do something that doesn't make any sense. I'm going to ask you to make a decision right now that has no logic whatsoever. Tell her to go quit. You know, we didn't have screens. You know, we didn't get to look at each other when we talked back, back in that day because we're kind of old. But, but you know, I'm, I'm on the phone and I'm kind of giving God the, what? You know, I'm kind of Nicodemus in this moment. What? He says, tell her to go quit. And I'm like, oh, you better have a plan because this is going to be bad. Right? And so I tell her, I said, go turn in your notice. And it's like dead silence on the other end of the phone. I said, she didn't say anything. She just silenced. I knew what she was doing. I was just like, go do it. Call and let me know when it's done. And she does it. Calls and says, okay, it's done. I hope you know what you're doing. I said, I really don't. Really have no clue what I'm doing, but it's what I feel God's telling us to do. Literally hang up the phone with her. I'm not even sure I'd said goodbye to her yet. And my boss comes to the door and everything else. She says, Jay, can we see you in our office real quick? I'm thinking, oh, great. <laughs> great. Just what I need, right? And some of you know the end of the story. We, we, I go into their office, and they sit down and everything else, and they say, hey, we know you guys are navigating a lot of things and everything else. You've been a faithful employee for all these years and blah, 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 and everything else. We're going to pick up your insurance 100%. Couldn't see it coming. Couldn't see it coming. Had no clue. Didn't even know they were talking about it. Knew nothing. But God, God was orchestrating it all. God was working it all. And what it did was it not only gave her the opportunity to be home with our, with our son and ultimately our, our second son and everything else, but as a new pastor and everything else that was happening in my life, it gave her the ability to be that rock and that spiritual support behind me in accomplishing and doing all of the things that I was meant to do for the kingdom of God. Amen? If we want God to do God things in our life, we have to be willing to step into the secret place and let him be God. We have to be willing to say, logic, 
doesn't matter. We have to be willing to say two plus two equals four doesn't matter. We, we have to be willing to say that God is bigger and God is greater than anything we can fathom or put together in our own mind. Flesh is flesh, but spirit, baby. Spirit is spirit. And if we want to be moved in the spirit and moved where he's moving, we got to go on a quest, church. And we got to choose. We've got to choose to be his. And we've got to choose to do his work and to do his bidding and to do it in a way where only he can get the credit. Amen? And I, be I believe in this group of people. Amen? For those of you visiting with us and, and, and so forth, man, in, in four years, we, we've pretty much been a gypsy church. We've, we've, we're in the middle school, and then COVID came, and we've bounced and, 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 and moved around and, and literally gone from service to service, not knowing where we were going to meet the next week. And then God began to move and open this up for us and put us in a place where we could begin to see the things of God coming to fruition with our vision for ministry and, and our hope for this community and, and the things that we want to see God do. And, and we're, we're starting now. We, we, you know, we, we, we've done enough. Clearly, we haven't done everything, but we've done enough. Amen. And we're getting the ball rolling. And as TJ has told you, financial peace is just one step of that. Amen. And, and we're starting with you, the church on that, to, to take Satan's stronghold away from you in that. And to take it away and allow you to come to a place and a point that God can begin to move in your life without you having to weigh this or weigh that. Amen. And then, then once we get to church, we're going to the community. We're going to the police departments. We're going to the fire departments. We're going to these other places in the community. We're going to offer the same kind of spiritual power and reasoning to them. Now, guess what? Some are going to reject it. Amen. Because flesh is flesh. Amen. But some... Some are going to choose spirit. Some are going to choose truth. Some are going to choose power that is beyond this life. Amen. And I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you this. This isn't about making millionaires. Amen. This is about giving financial peace. According to scripture. The scriptural way to manage your money. Amen. Because we want to take that power away from Satan in your life. Amen. We want you to have financial peace so that you can operate without Satan holding that over your head anymore, ever again. Amen? And, and then what happens is God begins to move in that. When you don't have all of the ex, these external pulls and yanks and tugs on your life, you can then listen to God. You can then choose not to listen to the serpent any longer. You can then choose not to listen to the flesh any longer, but you can choose God. And that's the choice we want you to make. Amen? And we can change. We can change homes. We can change the community. We can change, we can change anything and everything that God lets us touch from this. But we got to go on a quest, man. We, we can't just say, man, I hope this happens. No, we got we to gotta dig. We got to search. We got to bring out the whip and, and jump over things and, and, and dodge fiery darts from the enemy and, and not allow him to have precedence and hold over our life anymore. We've got to choose to find the garden. We've got to choose to find the secret place, and we've got to choose to accept Jesus Christ as the one who gives us access back to everything that God intended us to have from the beginning. Amen? And we have to go on that quest together. Nobody has to do it alone. Nobody has to do it without support and without encouragement and without leadership. But we've got we to gotta go on a quest. And we got to seek the fervor and the power and the Spirit of God for our life. It's not going to happen any other way. You can wish for it all day long. Amen? But it's not going to happen any other way. For you to be wise and operate in the instruction of the Lord, you've got to find your way to God. And the only way you find your way to God is through the blood of Jesus Christ. 
and spiritually, spiritually be set free. Spiritually be set free. We'll talk about the rest of it in the next two weeks. But this morning, this morning, I don't know where you've maneuvered. I don't know what your decisions are. I don't know, I don't know where you come from in life, but we want to be a help to you. But you got to start, you got to start, that help starts with Jesus, right? That, that help doesn't start with, with, with me or programs or, or opportunities or, or this and that and the other. It starts with Jesus. He is your opportunity, your opportunity to God, your opportunity to step into where God is and hear everything that God had for you from the beginning.